Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Janelle Monae's had a lot to smile about this year. After a run of successful albums over the last decade, in June she released her fourth album, The Age of Pleasure. It's an important project. Not only was it just nominated for two Grammys, including the album of the year, but it's also signaled a big tone shift for Janelle, whose past albums have centered in part around a recurring character named Cindy Mayweather, an android who represents society's new other. Aesthetically, Janelle has also always been pretty buttoned up. For her first few album releases, she made a point of always appearing in public in some iteration of a tuxedo. But for The Age of Pleasure, she literally stripped down to almost nothing, flaunting a newfound freedom centered around black joy, pleasure, and acceptance. On today's episode, I'm poolside having a conversation with Janelle Monet and her longtime musical partner, Nate Wonder, who also co-produced and co-wrote this new record along with her others. We're at their creative home base in the Hollywood Hills called Wonderland. Nate explains how the Age of Pleasure album started with the simple conceit of wanting to make Janelle Monet smile. Janelle also talks about why she decided to ditch a career in musical theater after college and how the Grace Jones ended up topless in Wonderland's now infamous pool. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's my conversation with Nate Wonder and Janelle Monet. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Grammy nomination. Yes. Yeah, album of the year. Yeah. It's like two in a row now. Which is, I know. That's a big deal. I it's know. A, it's crazy. I'm, it's a I'm, big deal. I'm still just so humbled. It's a very big yeah. deal. Not just progressive R&B album, yeah. but like yeah. album of the year. Like that's some crazy. That's wild. Yeah. I watched a lot of my heroes get it and be on that stage. And like it's it's really a dream to be able to not just shine light on on the work that I do, but 
you know, Nate's here as well. He worked heavily on the music and yeah. production and writing with me and everybody else who, who, you know, was a part of the album, they get recognized too. So that's the beautiful thing about being in that category. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the collaborative, since I have the pleasure of both of you guys, which is, uh, feels special to me. So I was, I was curious about how you guys collaborate on, I mean, you guys have been working together a long time, first of all. So. Every project, every album, since my EPs where I was selling them out of the trunk of my car in Atlanta, we've been able to uh, have, you know, a creative bond and just like evolution together. And it's yeah. just been really a fun ride. Lots of fun things happen in the studio. Uh, it feels like family. It feels intentional. It's magical. Absolutely. Where were you both at when you guys first met? Uh, in Atlanta. We met at Morehouse. Janelle was, she was living like in the area. Parson Street. Yeah. Boarding like the, house next to Club Woody in the AUC. Let's Club Woody is the name of the library. Okay. You go okay. there, though, because it's in the middle of all three campuses, it's kind of like a club. You never know in Atlanta what that could be. You know? Club, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it's, it's, actually the, it has, it's actually the university library, and she would throw shows on the steps. And I was just out of college. I had lost my scholarship in my junior year of college because I was writing music. And so... um after I graduated, like I could really take the time to focus on my music the way I wanted to. So in college, you knew that like music was where you were focused. That's where your attention was. But why did you lose your, what, what, what happened? You need to tell him exactly a moment that will let you know <laughs> yeah. how serious you were. I mean, I had, I had two full scholarships to school and I lost both of them because I... Um, how do you have two? How do you get two? I don't know, it's weird. Um, NASA gave me a scholarship and the school gave me a scholarship separately and I just had both of them. I had one like as a backup, I guess, idea. But um, I was in a math test and I was doing well on the test, except for like in the middle of the test, I had this song come to me and uh, I just felt compelled to get up. And I went to my dorm room and I wrote the song and I did not finish the test. And it caused my GPA to crater and uh that's why i lost my scholarship yeah yay was that and a that's how we got to make music it, i mean I'm, thank god he lost his nasa <laughs> and scholarship. i mean I, in any other scenario that's a tragedy yeah but it seems to have been the the right path it felt tragic at the time too after i realized that happened in the moment it felt like this is what you're supposed to be doing you need to just listen to this was that common for you to just up and leave whatever you were doing wherever you were at whoever you were with to yeah. go get an idea yeah but not a test it had not happened like that it was something that like cost me so much yeah like in the movie of your life those are pretty high stakes it was. <laughs> you know what i mean it was. it was and it felt like a big mistake afterwards for a little while it felt like wow that was crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my dad was like, you're crazy. You absolutely have lost your mind. Were your parents academically focused? Like, I mean, I don't know my how dad, you get a NASA dad scholarship. A, my dad has a doctorate in music, actually. Wow. And um, he wasn't active in, the, in music in that kind of way. He's a professor, so he's, yes, he's Teacher. involved. Yeah. yeah. You grew up with a lot of theory and, and, and things? I mean, and, I grew up watching him write music, compose, yeah. and, like, he was writing operas and all that kind of stuff. And, like, so I saw that growing up. And I learned a lot of instruments kind of, I, I got introduced to a lot of instruments early on. And I got introduced to the idea of composition very early, but he was not 
he was like, that is dumb. Just so we can be clear, this, you, <laughs> He got a PhD this. in music. He still says, like, that's right. dumb. That's dumb. Did you know him at the time? Um, I didn't know. No, you we didn't, didn't know, know each other. That was, you know, I, I, I met him after he probably did some healing from the traumatic <laughs> experience of losing your scholarships. I learned how to focus. That's what I learned from that. Mm. I, I always hold that as like a lesson in focus but and wait, like what it takes. Focus on the thing at hand or focus on the creativity that's taking you away right. from Actually, you know, you know, it's interesting, like, it's just pick something and do that thing. Okay. So the idea of the multitasking and all that kind of stuff, mm. I understood how detrimental that could be to whatever the dream that I had was. Yeah. So if it was music, like I, I know that like the feeling I had when I was in the class was, hey, you're not pursuing the thing that you're supposed to be pursuing right now. And you are gonna feel sick about that at some point in time. Right now you feel sick, so you need to go write that song. Later on, I felt like, okay, I, but I made a commitment. And right. so, you know, it's about just commitment, focus, not being distracted. And when I finished college, I was like, okay, now I'm going to focus. And I wanted to do that. You did finish? Yes. And you paid? Yeah, I had to pay. Oh my last God. Last year I paid. Oh my God. I mean, oh yeah. I was a huge no, I didn't pay those. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I paid last year. I got a scholarship for part of it. I got a scholarship to go live in Spain, so they paid me to go. I, I did get another scholarship. You're too smart, man. But can't, I did. You can't right. be stopped. I paid like, for no, one I semester. Can't, it can't be stopped. I, I did have to pay I for one semester of college. Then, <laughs> I, yeah, and tell them what, you know what, tell them what you got that scholarship in. In Spanish. Which I sucked in. I failed Spanish high school year, but you, here I, you I go. I did too. Ma I got kicked majoring, out of my Spanish class. Majored yeah. Yeah. in yeah. Spanish. Look at you. I had, I had a, yeah. Did you, did you study any music, Spanish music while you were in Spain? No, I studied Spanish art. Mm. and architecture actually and so when i went to spain i was like let me not pursue music right now let me focus i'm not going to bring any of my instruments like i would never not have a guitar in my hand and so i was like i'm gonna go to spain i'm not gonna have any instruments i'm gonna focus and i'm gonna <laughs> just do what i'm here to do and i went there and what was crazy is that the place that i lived was directly next to a music conservatory so i would wake up and this girl would play the flute every morning it would wake me up every morning i would hear musicians playing all day and i was like man i got it <laughs> so while i was there i bought a flute and like taught myself to play the flute but that was it i was like let me just that's small enough oh, yeah so that's more of a hobby than a than a real pursuit, pursuit. Yeah. Like, similarly you early on were kind of like possessed by creativity right mm -hmm, i like that possessed mm -hmm. yes there was never a time where i wasn't singing mm. i don't remember like singing acting partying <laughs> doing exactly what it is that i'm doing i was talking to a friend and she reminded me she was like remember in sixth grade when we used to throw these parties and you would charge a dollar for people to get in and i i got i skipped school to hand out flyers it was a whole thing but at that same time i was on on every talent show stage in kansas city in every musical theater production and um you know, it, it's morphed into concerts now and the Age of Pleasure album and being driven by by just the things that I love. I'm so thankful that I still can can do that. And for me, when I went to school in New York after, high, you know, after high school, went to school in New York and I thought, oh, I want to do musical theater. And as soon as I got out there and started going to see plays and stuff, I was like, man, ugh, I'm not excited about any of the roles that they're offering, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. 
people that look like me. What were you, what kind of roles were you getting? Well, we couldn't really audition, but like there was no, there was maybe one strong black mm-hmm. woman leading mm-hmm. something. Yeah. There was not, right now Broadway has changed. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's a lot more diverse, a lot yeah. more stories, a lot more uniqueness. And the only thing, because I'm from Kansas, the only thing I think people saw me doing was The Wiz. And The mm. Wiz wasn't on Broadway. And I'm just like, I love The Wiz, but where is the new yeah. energy, the new stories? And I had so much bubbling because I'm a writer as well. And I uh, decided that, you know, I was going to quit. So I, I quit school in New York. Every, everybody thought I was crazy, too. That was my, like, you're crazy moment. Because coming from Kansas, such a small town. To get to New they're York. They're like, wow, you're in New York. Yeah. You're living the dream. Yeah. And little do they know, I was sleeping in the same bed as my cousin because I could not afford housing there. And so I was commuting from like 140th in Amsterdam to like 72nd in Broadway every single day, Monday through Friday. Wow. I mean, I learned a lot about surviving and I was just like, you know, poor and (laughs) but excited about the arts and excited about finally figuring out what did Janelle Robinson have to say because I wasn't even going by Janelle Monet. I had not tapped into the center, the core of what I had to say because I was spending so much time singing everybody else's songs. Why the transition of Janelle Monet then from Janelle Robinson? What about that felt more like the authentic place to create from? Well, I knew about the painter Monet and I always thought like that's that's a great artist name and it just so happens to be my real name. My middle name is Monet. (laughs) My aunt actually, she was like Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet, she calls me that all the time, like when she sees me. And it just, it sucked. Even before, even before. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't like a rebuke of like your family or where you come from. (laughs) None of it's not. Mm -mm. I just thought Monet felt like an artist's name. Yeah. And it was my name. And it was like, yeah, okay. I get to reinvent, you know, who, what I can be, how I can say it, how I see myself. And It was so great. So that's when I moved to Atlanta. And that's when I, I met uh, Nate Rocket Wonder. I met Chuck Lightning. I met Mikhail Moore, who we're all still working together. Yeah. They were at Morehouse. They ran this uh, arts collective called the Dark Tower Project. And they would bring musicians, poets to Morehouse. And I was one of the, the people who performed um, that night. And I just saw like this kind of black cosmopolitan mm. in Atlanta. Yeah. Like it was just this melting pot of just excellence and creativity and freedom of expression i had never seen anything like it mm-hmm. and i wanted to be around that and i wanted to make music for them i wanted mm-hmm. that's who i wanted to make mm-hmm. music for and so when i started to write i would sit out like nate was saying i would sit on the library steps of club woody and i would just play guitar sing my songs people would walk by some would stop and listen some would keep moving mm-hmm. i would go to dorm lounges sit on the couch and give perform like to anybody that would listen i was i was like I don't give a damn. I have to know, is this for me? Yeah. Like, do you guys like what I have to say? Like, can I make my purpose and passion mm. and also career align? Yeah. That's a scary time because you don't, you don't really know. That. I mean, you have the confidence to not necessarily care, but you don't, at the same you time, don't you don't know. really know. Yeah. You, you don't, don't know. know. Like, one of the reasons why we really connected was because, like, I know it sounds very basic, but we love art. Mm. And I think that we were inspired by meeting other people who loved art, like really would just like fall in love with art, Mm -hmm. you know, just be obsessed over it. Like just sit up all day and think about something that they read or a painting that they saw or just a song and just sit there and cry to a song and just like 
I know that Janelle and I have a very spiritual connection that music, it really is like the catalyst for that. And it catalyzes it all the time. Mm. It's something that I know that we can always tap into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like besides being like good thought partners and like, you know, there are wonderful myriad things about Janelle that make her a great like human being. Yeah. But on a musical level, she is very passionate about music. Like if I play certain chords, it can make her cry. And that is something that also happens to me. Like I can hear certain songs, certain chords, and it doesn't have to do with necessarily the lyrics always. Sometimes lyrics, yes. And poetry is beautiful and that's another, you know, but just like music and just being really just emotionally brought to your knees over how good music can be. And we've shared so many of those moments. And and that was like the beginning of that time where we got to really just pass music back and forth and be shocked yeah and just sit in awe with each other as we would just listen to what could be done i think one of the things that i i loved early on and the reason why i think we've we've worked so well together musically is because nate is a student of music and so when it comes to like anything that i want to do there's nothing we can't do yeah from string arrangements to you know, chord progressions, horn arrangements, melodies, like there's no genre. Yeah. We bend genres with each album. You know, it's all about how do we create our own musical language. Yeah. And I love that. I always have to feel pushed and stretched. Yeah. And and I think that's what is the exciting thing, because it's like we literally have the the mind and the student heart. Like ne- we never stop being students. You never stop. Le- you always mm-hmm. at the beginning. Always, you got just, mm-hmm. it's always a, a a new whiteboard. Yeah, you know, yeah. of ideas yeah. ready to be put down. <laughs> Sounds to me like you guys are just always creating things. Yeah, yeah. regardless of like, mm-hmm. there's an album due, or you know, or yeah. it's been a minute, or you know, it's like it's just that's how you guys are inhabiting life. It's mm-hmm. just creating every day, or or, yeah. or you know, the days that it feels right to do, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I I didn't get into music because of awards or because of, you know, recognition yeah. or anything like that. Music is truly healing. Yeah. I need music. Like, I need a song in my darkest hours. I need a song in my most celebratory stage. I need a song when, you know, I want to communicate something that my own words can't say. And I need to be able to write when I'm feeling frustrated or when I'm like, it's a way it, yeah. it has helped my mental health so much. Yeah. So much. You know, when I was listening again for like the umpteenth time this morning on my walk to uh, the age of pleasure, mm-hmm. I was wondering, listening to it, it might be an impossible question to answer, but whether these songs were for you or for other people, mm-hmm. because I, in a way, I've realized as I've been listening to it, I've been taking it as like you giving mantras mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know oh, what I'm saying? I love mm-hmm. that. But it occurred to me today, I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe you needed to write this for you too. Mm-hmm. And I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how mm-hmm. you were approaching that, but. Mm-hmm. It's for all of us. Yeah. It's for us. And that means a lot to hear you say that because I think one of the most important things as an artist is, is your ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. And as much as I can, you know, say like, oh, I just want to do an album and. I I want this just for myself and I need to listen to it. That's not my truth. I actually want everybody to feel 
Like, this is their soundtrack to their life. This is curating their thoughts and their feelings. They are part of my community. We're a part of each other's community. And all of us are growing and healing and and moving together and sharing something that they can tap into anytime they want to. And it's funny because you're here. This is exactly what inspired the album, this space, having this space filled with black and brown and you know, just beautiful people across the diaspora here, seeing them smiling, seeing the joy in their spirits, in their hearts during a time where everybody thought the world was ending. <laughs> I mean, every day. Because you moved here during the pandemic, yeah, right? I this moved, is the space you kind of got. Yeah, we created Wonderland West during the pandemic. It was one of the most scary things ever because I, I grew up, my parents didn't own a home. We were either in like a duplex or, you know, we lived with my grandmother and they were working class, like, making ends meet, yeah. uh, but living check to check. So when it was time for all of us to contribute and, and figure out where we were going to migrate uh, with Wonderland, it was like, okay, are we ready to all, am I ready to invest in our next creative endeavor? Yes, I am. But we're in the middle of a pandemic. What does that mean? And luckily we knew the person who was trying to um, sell the space and they were just like, there's nobody else I want to have this space. Great. And it, it worked out. And so it came right to you. It was like- yeah, it did. Um, but it was also scary because a lot of things were being canceled for me. I, I, my job is to go out into the world and travel and, yeah. and, you know, try to heal people through music. But I couldn't do that. So you come from growing up. Yeah. A certain amount of insecurity. Yeah. And, it's you know, the successful career you've had, it's hard to imagine that. But, you know, as soon as you start to feel that little bit of insecurity again, I know from my own life, yeah. it's like, it's like whoa, that's thing. like PTSD. It's yeah. like all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where, where was your mind at with all of that? I think the pandemic reminded me just how much music means to me as a person, mm-hmm. not as a career path, mm-hmm. not as, you know, the artist that people know and, and come to the concerts and see, but as a human mm-hmm. android having this earth experience, I need music. I need to create. During that time, not only were we working on music, but I also wrote a book called The Memory Librarian. I was just doing anything creative that would would help me feel better. Because to go from moving around so much to just being still, it it was tough. It was tough for me. How was it for you, Nate? Yeah. You know, art has this weird responsibility of trying to document and explain the human experience a little bit more and kind of just like unearth Mm -hmm. a little bit more about what it means to be human. And I think that so many of us were finding out a lot more about what it meant to be human. Yeah, Like a lot about the mortality of it, even though we weren't necessarily in or didn't consider ourselves vulnerable in that kind of way. I think a lot of us looked at ourselves as more vulnerable to death and Mm. I think that that was a very real consideration that we all kind of had to deal with it differently. And I think that human experience is a very unique one that kind of felt like, okay, so what is the response to that? And how do you talk about this in healthy ways? And how do you explore and understand more about it? So I think that like um, part of what we were trying to do was just face that Mm. in an honest way. When you talk about like the the affirmations, I mean, that was very intentional. Yeah. Because part of just confronting death is kind of like being able to turn your head and be like, not today, 
and then you kind of are like okay so then what does that mean and it's kind of like okay live and so then how do you live in a way that honors the life experience and it's like hey okay i'm here i may i'm here now you know and you hear these stories about the roaring 20s when people are kind of like getting through the depression it's time, depression. Yeah. it's so much going on, yeah. and they're like, you can, and they've made it through a pandemic. Yeah, right. And you have the survivor's guilt, and so much of that goes into just mm. it, just your human experience. And it's yeah. those affirmations were like just the small attempts to just undergird just the everyday thing that's kind of like pushing you down, and kind of be like, all right, I'm gonna get back up. You know, when Janelle says, like, I used to walk into the room head down, you know, it's just that feeling of I used to walk into the room head down and being like, that's I'm leaving that. Mm. And now I'm on to this next stage in, of myself. Yeah, I think in the, the I, I think it's, a, it's it was a privilege to, to be still because during that time, I mean, as we know, a lot of people were getting laid off from work. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people were losing their families, yeah. passing away. And as as much as it was sad that I couldn't go and, and be the artist that I wanted to be out into the world. There were so many other people who had it worse yeah. than us. In that stillness, I said, well, what can I do? I know we were in L.A. and we, we got the opportunity to feed and give out over 35,000 meals yeah. um, through our Wonder Lunch program. And so we did that for like months and months and months. And I think that connectivity mm-hmm. back to humanity mm-hmm. really let us know what kind of affirmations our people needed yeah, and what I needed as well. And, and I think to answer your question, we were very intentional about that. And I think float really kicked it off. Like I used to walk into the room head down. I don't walk now. I float. I got an opportunity in that stillness to deal with, you know, childhood trauma that I had not dealt with. Mm. That because, because I was moving around so much, I didn't, it was like, okay. Yep. You know, it, something's not right, but I don't have time to deal with it. Yeah. And in that discovering and peeling back the layers of the rejection and abandonment that I felt early on, getting to the root of it, my spirit started to get lighter because hmm. I knew I was like, oh, OK, so I can become better. Mm-hmm. and more evolved mm-hmm. as a person now. And I feel so empowered now that I know what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. And when you heal as a, as a person, all of that seeps into your music and your art. Mm-hmm. My art is a reflection of who I am. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for that because all I wanted to do was give more people affirmations because I know I wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm. When I would have conversations with people, they would say the same thing like, man, I... I need. I I have to let go of this. I have to let go of that. Mm-hmm. You know. And so float was that thing. It was like once you let go of the heaviness that you've been carrying on your back, that you didn't didn't have to carry. And you just find you're finding out like, oh, I I have a way to get all of this off of me now. It felt like I wanted to celebrate as a new person. Yeah. Like I feel like I I definitely, you know, shed a lot of skin, turned a new leaf, and uh, obviously it's a it's a constant you know journey, but. Once I tapped into it, I got really inspired to to write about it. After a quick break, we'll come back with more of my conversation with Janelle Monet and Nate Wonder. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. 
That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now, Mark says, we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch is marketmessage2024.com. That's marketmessage2024.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter The Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. We're back with Janelle Monet and Nate Wonder. Once you put the album out, how did you guys feel about the response to it? You know, obviously, we were very vulnerable. And I feel like that was like a big point of, of of conversation around that like, but was it you, you, sometimes you just do things mm-hmm. feeling like that's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and then it's like oh shit i gotta talk about this mm-hmm. i don't know about, yeah. like <laughs> how was the process of of going out and, and talking about the album and getting people's responses to the the project you know i think it's a beautiful thing that when people see themselves reflected that was the most beautiful mm. thing i think a lot of people coming up to me some of them whispering some of them more vocal about it like Thank you so much, you know, for for sharing 
more of who you are. There's there's this uh, quote by Beth Ann Hardison that says, you know, people don't change. They become more of who they are. And what I got an opportunity to do is become more of who I am and write about it and write about it with other people who were discovering more about who they were. Yeah. And us having a safe space. That was really important. I think with an album called The Age of Pleasure, there is no pleasure without safety. Yeah. When we don't feel safe and taken care of, you cannot be free in the way that you move or express yourselves, at least for me. To your point earlier about unpacking a lot of the traumas mm-hmm. and stuff, just feeling safe within yourself. Too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. I feel a lot more, mm, how do I put it? I did put it. I said float. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've, I've like, yeah. I've like floated and anything that used to bother me, it doesn't touch me the same. Yeah. It's kind of scary and also really, really awesome. Yeah. How was it writing on this record with Janelle, with given the, just the way the songs were coming out? It was a real blessing. Before we started working on the album, I remember I told my management team that I really wanted to focus this time that I have right now on making music for black women and black uh, non-binary folks. I want to make music that makes them smile. Like I want to make music for them specifically. Like I really just want to be of service to that community. And there's so many reasons why, but one reason is because when I I, I go to the grocery store as like a little side activity. I, that I love to the grocery store. I do. I love going to the grocery store. I do. That's I love what it. I do too, dog. I do it. I love it. Yeah, like, that, this is great. And I love this because I do not like going to the grocery store. No. Oh, come on, man. You go in there, you're hollering out. I was that kid. My, exactly. It's my fun. mom used to have me in the grocery store it's way great. too long. I was so like, I'm ready to go home. So anyway, but when I would go and I see like black women at the grocery store smiling, it just makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. And sometimes it would be like when a certain song would come on, it would be like you see them singing their song. And it's like, man, so good. And Janelle, of course, has like done so much work as a leading voice in terms of activism, in terms of being on the right side of history, in terms of speaking up for marginalized people. And Early groups. too. <laughs> Early. Early. Always. Yeah. It's been her herself. But but I also was thinking about how much that can weigh on a person. And I told Janelle, I said, I really, like for your next, I'm, I would really love, I would love to see you smile more. Like I would love to just see you smile. Like it really would mean so much. I think that you smiling is a really special thing. I love when I see you smile and I would love to see what that energy is to like really put mm. that into a space. And I hadn't really considered that. And I looked at all my album covers and I was like, I'm really not smiling. Did it kind of fuck with you for a second? Yeah. I was like, what? What is going on? Like from the Arc Android to Electric Lady to Dirty Computer. And if you look at the cover for uh, uh, for The Age of Pleasure, <laughs> <laughs> I am right in this pool, swimming, topless and smiling. Yeah. You know, it's a layered idea, but I do think that giving somebody something that makes them want to smile is its own resistance. It's its own Mm. protest. It's its own, like giving people affirmations is its own version. It's a Mm -hmm. certain form of work. Yeah. 
It's a certain type of healing. And so is pleasure. Like, yes. to, to you, like, it it's is. like, I want you to smile. And it's like, to your point then too, it's like, not only did I fucking smile, like I went topless in this pool, right? <laughs> yeah. And smiled. Yeah. And it's like, right. both of those things are, yeah. can be subversive. Can yes, be, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely, it is. To make an album called The Age of Pleasure in the middle of a pandemic is a subversive piece of art because it is just kind of being like, no. It's just like, because yeah. there's been, you know, when you're dealing with so much trauma from elections to, it, mm. it's just so much yeah. that happens. And it feels like your energy mm. when you wake up is going to be stolen from you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It feels like it's yeah, going to be stolen. Right. You're like, you're, it's not yours. And the day's like, not yours. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it, it was like a big, like, no, you cannot have all mm. of my day. Yeah. yeah. You cannot have all of my time. I'm going to take some time to enjoy life as best as I can under whatever the circumstances that I have are. I'm going to try my best yeah. to do what I can to appreciate this moment as simple as it may be. And what I think that we were finding in the writing process was that just having time to hang out with your friends mm -hmm. was the thing that we needed the most. Mm -hmm. Just seeking time to appreciate each other to smile at each other to laugh with each other to do like the simple stuff with each other felt like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is like worth my time way more than whatever that other thing was that was driving me and decentering my joy yeah 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 i mean that's what that stuff does right like when you think about racism when you think about sexism when you think about homophobia homophobia all mm -hmm. of it it's it literally in addition to just being you know pure evil work it distracts you from yeah. living your life yeah yeah because you spend so much time fighting yeah and i definitely found myself and i know i'm not the only one there were so many of my friends and people who were out marching you know you have to understand george floyd had been murdered it was so much brianna taylor it was so much and i was working with say her name and i put out you know protest music it was so heavy man and i was like but somebody has to do the work but i think balance is important and what I was realizing is I was not getting the balance that I needed. Yeah. And so once we made a decision to not center white supremacy, to yeah. not center, you know, all, all of the things that, again, come to distract and destroy and stop us from just living our lives as, as humans having this earth experience and be clear and stand on that. That's when I feel like the songwriting got focused. Yeah. And with this project, I said, I want to make music for that community, for that community of folks who suffer time poverty. Like they don't have time. Time poverty is a great phrase. It's a, it's a real thing in our community. People don't have the time or the leisure time to just be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To just be one with their friends or their families because you're spending so much time working. You're spending mm -hmm. so much time fighting. And it's like, when do we say, OK, well, we're going to carve out this little space for us. And so I said, I, I want to create music that we can all listen to take with us hold with us that is the balance in in everything that we're dealing with and if the people that i invite over are not dancing to these songs if they are not moving if they're not trying to shazam if they're not asking who is mm -hmm. that then it's not working yeah it's not like i want them to really 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 love this music obviously i we have to love it right but it was so important that the community of people we were write, writing it for loved it. Yeah. And um, that's how we put together the Age of Pleasure. We had 
Nana Kwabana, who worked on some of the music, who was also a DJ, and our friends with Everyday People. I don't know if you know about Everyday People parties. I've, I've not been, DJ but Mama. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have to give a I'll shout you, out to them. I'm just entering my age of pleasure, so I ain't... <laughs> I've been working too hard in my desk. Yeah, so. I have to give them a shout out because yeah. during the pandemic, they couldn't find a place, you know, to have their parties. And when yeah. I say parties, it's not just like, I mean, everybody's dancing and singing and having a good time, but people are feeding each other at the parties like they're food vendors. It's the diaspora. It's Pan-Africanism yeah. from around the globe, from you know, Nigeria, Ghana, the Caribbean, Jamaica, Atlanta, New York, L.A. Yeah. Cape Verde. And Cape Verde, like, all in one place. It's just nothing like going to their parties. And so when they asked, they had come by Wonderland, they were like, you know, they were having a hard time getting the space. And we were like, come here. Shoot, let's figure it out. Because yeah. we're we're going through it, too. Like, not being <laughs> able to see people. Yeah. Like, how can we do this? And and uh, that was a big... Was it a vibe that you had to know who was coming? Or yeah. like, okay, for right, sure. right? For yeah. sure. It was very small. Because that would be a little... Yeah, yeah. it was... Nah, we it was we needed small. to know. It was small and it was safe. Yeah, yeah. safe and small. And, and that's where the music was tested first. Hearing all of the backstory, I'm just going to say it because I feel like it's even in the music, like a more human album. Mm. It's funny because as we're moving into an age now, of more, the future looks a little bleaker in terms of technology. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You might have called that a little early. And and it feels like the project moved away from computer and Arch Android and Metropolis and like this to more. It's feel, it feels like Janelle the person, you know, or, or it feels like to me listening to it, like I even just feel myself coming alive more, just feeling more me. You know what I mean? I know a lot of people who have listened to the record, a lot of friends, a lot of people the same like it makes them feel a particular way as a living (laughs) creature Mm. you know yeah you know from the beginning there was this conversation around android rights yeah and cindy was always being was always fighting to be perceived as a human and to be respected as a human so i guess there's a certain truthfulness to people being like yeah you're human and kind of being like yeah yeah finally (laughs) I mean, the, the definition of, of an android, and if you're listening and you don't know any of my work, it's rooted around um, Cindy Mayweather, who represents the other. And the other is a parallel. You know, the android is a parallel to black folks, to, you know, marginalized folks that I want to amplify the voices I want to amplify and the music I want to write. The definition of an android is a robot developing human characteristics. Yeah. So I really think it, it, it tells such a, a continuation, a beautiful continuation of the story. And, and it's not finished. It's very trippy to see because when I put out Metropolis, we were reading The Singularity is Near by Ray Kurzweil. Wow. And if you haven't read that, please do. But it talks about this moment that we're having with AI. And it talks about the singularity of like not being able to differentiate AI recording a song by Janelle Monet or Janelle Monet really mapping out that voice and it's so interesting that it's happening now and when I think about the album how I I hate to say it we knew that when this moment of integration happens humans were going to be frantic about it as you can see right now like it's a lot going on in my business when it comes to using the likeness of an actor's face without paying them like AI is in that conversation heavily and people are afraid and they're scared. And I totally 
get that. But I, but, and I also think that there needs to be more conversation and, and more laws and things, rules to really be agreed upon because not all humans are bad and, and not all AI is bad. So I think that there needs to be a real conversation around who's programming AI. But the thing that I realized in knowing that the singularity was going to happen was that it's nothing like that human-to-human connection. It was so important for us to gather and have experiences that cannot be created by AI. We can only have these, the barbecue experiences, you know, sharing food together, wrapping our arms around each other, being there for each other in these times. These are moments that, that humans have such a deep connection to and can talk about in ways that AI can. And, I, and, and that was my hope, too, is to encourage more community, to encourage people to be mm. with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, our stories are all we have. Mm-hmm. It is our stories that will set us apart yeah. and, and continue to make us believe in humanity again. Yeah. How, how, how have you guys, you know, playing guitar on the steps, barely finishing college, having to shell out some money to do it, <laughs> You guys found each other over those years. You guys have amassed a body of work, all very different from each other. Genreless, as you said from the beginning. Money comes, success, time, new people, new relationships, new opportunities. It's incredible to me that you guys have managed to stay close. There you go. Yeah. I don't think that happens. But, but you guys that, aren't a base of Rolling yeah. Stones. It's not like if you <laughs> right. separate... The legal entity of the Rolling Stones, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, y'all have no real responsibility to each other. Uh, but Be- we do. But we do. Yeah. But, but do. that's very I'm happy that you brought that up. It's so true. And when I look at some of the collectives and, you know, we don't have to dig into names, but even yeah. even some of the most iconic collectives ended up not working with each other anymore. And I just remember the time when they were and how that felt and how I felt when it wasn't the case anymore. And I just, it always was important to me to nurture my relationships. Like I invest in people, you know, not because they're, of course, everybody is very talented, but I think they're really, really great people who happen to be very talented. Yeah. Yeah. And when you come from a big family like me, I have 49 first cousins. So I was brought into a community you know, that runs through my blood and it's loyalty and it's growth and transparency and communication and all those things. Yeah. And respect as somebody who has ideas. Obviously, I'll always have the final say if we're working on something with what I want to do, you know, on my music. But I love listening. I love being able to hear how Nate's mind is working, to hear how Chuck's mind is working, what yeah. Sensei Bueno is thinking. None of, like I, I love to, to see how they interpret certain things and and how they sharpen my sword you know when it when it is time to creatively fight for an idea um so i love that i love what what this community has done not just for me but for the rest of the world Questlove pulled us aside a few years ago and he was like listen man you guys have something really really special but just so you know the most important thing you guys can do just trust me on this. Just stay together. Mm. Just stay together. Yeah, I remember like, that. I, and he went through his stories of like what happened. Like all the things that happen to you can change you. But just know that you guys have something very special and it's worth protecting. Stay together. 
don't get distracted by whatever else comes. Yeah. Just stay together. Yeah. And the other thing is that we have this um, credo, a Wonderland credo, that was written a long time ago, like very, very early. And in there, it discusses our responsibility to each other mm. and to our broader community, but specifically to, our, to, to each other how we need to take care of each other, mm -hmm. how we need to look after each other. Mm -hmm. Those basic things are written into our credo of how we understand Wonderland. Like at its foundation, it must at least be a community yeah. where artists can be taken care of. And thrive. And of course challenge each other on our ideas, but that we feel at least safe mm -hmm. to have our ideas. Yeah. That's yeah. how you make your best music again, when you feel safe with the people that you're with. Like when you feel like you can just go there and try new shit out, mm -hmm. like fall in love with music, fall in love with art. And I think that's what we, we love at our core. First of all, you guys are living the dream. I mean, that you guys found each other. Yeah. It's hard work. Unique individuals you now, guys are. Let me are. tell you this. It is hard work. It is not easy. Art is hard. Every, yeah. Art is making hard. Right. Art. Art Depending is hard. on what Art process you're in, Art is hard. it can be frustrating and just like you can lose your confidence and second guess yourself or you could be having the best time of your life. You wake mm -hmm. back up and listen to that demo or you mm -hmm. wrote the, the night before and you're like, oh, this shit is fire. Mm -hmm. Like, thank God. And you play it for people outside, you know, who mm -hmm. were not a part of the process and you get that feedback. It can be disappointing or it can be like yes when, when do you start me. playing stuff for people is it usually like earlier in the process or yeah. is it like dark? early like, I, I try to I, play yes. as early okay. as possible okay. but, i like people sitting no, in the studio when i'm working on music i you gotta like feel some in there? yeah he's different i don't wow, know that's but but with age of pleasure i was more open yeah. but with all my other albums i would be in there engineering myself i engineer myself a lot mm -hmm. on this project really? too yeah. yeah just because you wanted to be because i needed by yourself she, exactly. she, when she goes in yeah it's like close it and Janelle right. will go in there and we'll engineer and then I'll call them back in like once I have all my takes that I feel like are highlighted and good yeah. or I'll ask them to highlight in green like which ones you think yeah. are the best but I'm always searching for that feeling and sometimes I need to be alone to get that feeling mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna pause for another quick break and then come back with more from Nate Wonder and Janelle Monet. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now Mark says we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch is marketmessage2024.com. That's marketmessage2024.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. We're back with the rest of my conversation with Nate Wonder and Janelle Monet. You were talking about the diaspora earlier. And one yeah. of yes. Beautiful that on the album, mm-hmm. diaspora is like really represented from Shane Cootie yes. to... Uh, yeah, to Sister Nancy, Sister Nancy, Grace Jones, Grace Jones, uh, Nia Patra, Long. Nia Long, Nia Long, Amaray, CK, CK, Doji, yeah. Doji, Doji. Let me yeah. not forget Horns Unlimited. From Atlanta to Ghana to Nigeria to Jamaica and so on. Yeah. I mean, it's just we're All so our blessed. Friends on there, yeah. Some of the musicians that talking, play. yeah. The interludes. Where did those come from? Corey Henry from us. So French, the French, the French seventy five is. Us in in New Orleans, yeah. During Essence Fest, not this year, but last year, yeah. And we were we had we had woke up and we started talking about the night that we had, and it was my first. <laughs> it was like my first time getting beads, <laughs> and so if you've been to New Orleans, you know what getting your beads means. Like it's so fun, and I was it was so liberating and just I really guess really for cool. the uninitiated. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's some who don't know. <laughs> I know, right? I guess what does it, it involves. You going down on uh, in the French quarters, and if you lift your shirt up, they would throw you some beads. And it's a part of the New Orleans culture, fun. And it was freeing because as somebody who's like, oh, my God, I'm famous. I can't do these things. I'll end up. And nobody even really posted it until, like, years later. Then it, No, no, no. Nobody found it. Actually, nobody found that video. No, Maybe one not. person. No, 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 no. Not, not my beads. Oh. Oh, I've done that on several occasions. No, it's not. <laughs> Really? Yeah, the, the beads, beads one, one too? Yeah. Oh, I thought, okay, well, that's awesome. It made me smile. Remember I said this album, <laughs> we are smiling. This this season, 
We were smiling. And with that being said, I wanted to just have authentic conversations with my friends. And I just asked them if it was okay if I press record. And it's just, it, it was authentic because the people who were there, they're really my friends. And yeah. so to have these conversations with the people who are directly involved in like inspiring the songs and the songwritings, they were all in the studio when we were writing them. They were the first people that yeah. I think everybody on the interlude, they were some of the first people that heard the songs. Yeah. So when we did float the champagne shit, those were the, the lipstick lover. The Like when we were writing those songs, I always looked at how they moved. I always looked at the body language. I always looked at like when they would go play other artists songs, would they ask to play this song again? Cause I, I liked their taste and I knew that they were like key in, in helping us nurture that audience that we wanted. Like what would be an example of something you might have tweaked it or what? So you're looking at your friends playing mm-hmm. them. You, they might not quite groove yeah. the way you you're expecting or you. Yeah. So what do you do? You just go back in and. You know what? I don't feel like we had a lot of those moments with this it album. Only, Did we? I know one song that that happened with, and we what song? just changed it the didn't song. Come. We were in the middle of trying to figure the song out. It was, was it? hot. Oh, okay, oh, wow. yeah. You changed that one? Yeah. Wow. That That's went a through great, a lot. It's a great. It, it, yeah. There's actually a David Bowie vocal that was supposed to go on that. It was a quote from an interview that he had done. That right after, she, right, right after Janelle says, uh, they say I look better than David Bowie in a moon age dream. There's this quote. I love quote, that line. I love that line. Because yeah. um, I think Edward had taken us to the movies to see Moon Age Daydream. Because cool he knew Janelle was a huge no, fan. I. Oh, you took everybody <laughs> yeah, to see. I took Edward Norton to go okay, see. Okay, I'm sorry. You took everybody yeah. to see the David Bowie film, Moon Age Daydream. Did you say you took Edward Norton? Yeah, because yeah. we had just. So when, I, when we wrote The Age of Pleasure, right before that, I just filmed The Glass Onion. And we were in Greece and Serbia, and I was having Nate send me music there. Yeah. Because I was like, when I get back, I'm writing this album. Yeah. Wow. I'm writing this album. I'm so inspired. I know I'm clear on where I am, who I am, and what I need to do. And so he sent me all the musical, some of the musical beds, and I picked what I loved and liked. As soon as I got back. I was in the studio. It's poetic that you're working on a glass onion and yeah. you're coming clear about who you are and what you're crystallizing, like what you want to do. Yeah. It's like right. while you're in this glass. Let's pull back yeah. the layers. Let's pull back the layers. Yeah. 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 So David Bowie quote, it says, I think it's terribly dangerous for an artist to fulfill other people's expectations. If you feel safe in the area you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water then you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your own depth. And when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. Ooh. Yeah. So that was yeah. the Ooh. the end of that was the quote that was on yeah. the in the record. We should put that back at the in time. if we do the deluxe. It was great. But of course, like when you're at a party, yeah. you may not want to go into the like. Yeah, it was just like. C- cerebral. I'm Agreed. sure Bowie appreciates not being the one to <laughs> I know. fuck the party up. No, that film, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but it really... Incredible doc. Yeah, it was I wasn't amazing. expecting it to be. Because yeah. this is somebody who, like myself, yeah. you know, is a world builder. Yeah. And somebody who believed, like Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars mm-hmm. gave me the courage to do Cindy Mayweather and yeah. Metropolis and the Ark Android. Mm-hmm. And to create these versions of ourselves. 
mm-hmm. you know, these thousand versions of myself, mm-hmm. and we're all fine as fuck. <laughs> that's, if you don't know, that's from Phenomenal on the Age of Pleasure, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so to be able to watch him say, I know that I could be Ziggy Stardust for the rest of my life, yeah. or I can become more of who I am mm-hmm. and give you that and not be afraid, you yeah. know, to, to break it down and, and rebuild and, yeah. and reimagine who I can be. Yeah. So that really also helped inspire me as well. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? I feel like I did. Mm. I feel like our spirits absolutely met each other. I know that he knew who I was because I did a cover of Heroes and his wife Iman told me mm. and he had to clear it. And uh, his wife told me that he really, he really loved me. And I was like, oh, I wish I could have told him how much I really loved him. But I think he knows it. They, they are aware. Yeah. Did you pretty naturally fall into, I mean, 2019, you're feeling like you want to start writing for women, people mm-hmm. color, non-binary folk. Was it easy to slide into that mentality? Was it easy to, like... I felt compelled. And again, and when I feel compelled, I'm like, oh man, I'm doing it. Was it a messy start? Did it feel always we, right or natural? Filling myself playlists. Yeah, oh yeah. That really definitely, encouraged yeah, us. Yeah, we were definitely I mean, both of us had the, the same thought. So we were listening to Spotify. We had an opportunity to listen to a lot of music. I started back working out. And there were a lot of black women on this playlist that were just like sounding extra liberated and mm-hmm. super tapped into their well of mm-hmm. uh, honesty and truth and sensuality and sexuality and grit and softness and hardness. Like I loved hearing that all on one playlist and it encouraged me to tap into my many different sides. And I think Nate would see me listening to filling myself playlists yeah. around the studio. And as I was working out and it was like, I've never remembered. And that's the beautiful thing with playlists. You can really, curate your own world yeah. uh, your own soundtrack and when I felt that vibe I was like I want more of this and I want the people that are listening to this who are feeling like they have not been able to walk in their greatness mm-hmm. as black women as non-binary folks as, as marginalized people they haven't been able to really own all of them I want to lead by example and I want I want to highlight them. I want I, and, mm-hmm. and highlight them by creating music yeah. that speaks to their hearts. Yeah. 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 You know, I got two daughters and mm. I don't want them to feel ashamed of yeah. pleasure or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like as they get older or yeah. not. It's like, yeah. but society for so long, you know what I mean? Like yeah. The, and, 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 and it's still that it's still a lot of work to be done in that area. But, I, you know, one of the things I noted was that playlist, like, when you go to like a rap caviar or the other like big hip hop, the biggest hip hop playlist, sometimes they'll even have like a woman on the cover. But then when you go through the actual playlist, it literally out of a hundred songs, it might be like three songs by women. And it really, I just took so much issue with it. Yeah. I was just like, this is wild. Yeah. Like literally they'll put Megan the Stallion on the cover of it and then I have to go like down thirty songs to get to mm. her song and it's like this mm. is crazy. This is wow. And that was another reason why we wanted to make sure that you know, black women were represented on this project. Yeah. Generationally. From Dochi to, you know, the king of of, of Jamaica, Grace Jones. Grace's yeah. albums really out. Come on. Exactly. Yes. Ridiculous. Like, exactly. Let me tell you, she 
I spent 72 hours with Grace Jones. That's how we got her on the album. I was going to say, how'd you get her? She, I, she don't right move. She don't do much. You know? I, I, I'm it's still like just <laughs> bowing down to her. 72 hours 72 with her. Hours. Where I was like, oh my God. How did, it, how did that come together? What? So I went, I went to her <laughs> Let concert me live at the Hollywood Bowl. And I ended up, I, she was somehow, it was like her, one of her last songs. And they were calling people on stage. And of course, I'm going to jump on stage. And if you look online, if you look online, you will see there's video video of me running through Grace Jones' legs, her smacking (laughs) my ass, us dancing, like just being the the free spirits that we are. And uh, I had met her years back, but we didn't really get to connect. And she did call me. She called me years back and I was so shocked. I was like, how does she even get my number? And she just called me and she told me she loved me. And I was just like, I love you. But we never got to connect again after that. I think yeah. maybe she changed her number. Or, you know, maybe she just went to another planet for the springtime. Who knows? It's Grace Jones. And so when she came this time, though, we went backstage and we really connected. And she she was just like hugging me. I was hugging her. And, and she was just saying, you know, I'm in town for a few days we she invited me to her hotel where they had like a small little gathering to celebrate her incredible performance live if you ever get a chance mm-hmm. go see her she nobody nobody touches her i regret not going i was gonna i was oh, supposed to go to that i, you I forgot always yeah, you just always say yes and so that night when we went back to her hotel i was like you know i i had you know i had to leave and i just said i'm just gonna invite her to wonderland what what she can just say no and if she says no i'll be like yes grace jones told me no yes <laughs> that's the mentality you got to that's be so in. great <laughs> and so i said listen um i have to leave but i don't know you know what your schedule is tomorrow but i would love to have you for lunch at wonderland at our studio and she was like is there a pool there and i was like indeed there is a pool <laughs> and then she was like okay i will call you i'm gonna come and i just i was like okay and i was like she says this to everybody i'm sure because she doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and she called she had she had her assistant text and asked if it was a heated pool if they yeah because she swims every day as her exercise and I asked them, well, what does she drink? What does she like? Like, I'm scrambling. I'm like, how am I going to host Grace Jones? <laughs> Everybody. Send her to the grocery store. We need to have a meeting. Right. <laughs> Go to the grocery store. What are we doing? And he sends me this list. Like, her wine list is immaculate. Her champagne oh, list is immaculate. Yeah. And so she came over. And we really had lunch. And we really got in this pool. She took her top off. Just, I mean, I know we're talking a lot about all of the toplessness, which, which is really great. Because as we know, we live in a world where there's a double standard. Yeah. You know, where the liberation that Grace has been able to do did not come with open arms. Yeah. You know, it came with a lot of scrutiny. This is somebody who was raised under a pastor, you know, who was a bishop and in a very conservative community. And for her to say, I'm going to live my motherfucking life and to show us that, like, that was all I needed to see and hear. Mm -hmm. And she she really by being her and by hanging out with her and her encouraging me to be me and sitting in the studio listening to the songs like her getting up dancing and moving and telling us which one she loved and what like her hearing the instruments and 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 talking about that like she is a musical genius it was all the affirmation i needed first of all her taking off her top in your pool is a real legendary what an honor you know what i I mean mean, that you curated it's just a typical tuesday for her yeah that's that's an honor (laughs) But then, so then you pull in the studio when she's listening, you asked her to 
Yeah, I was like, I told her, I said, I would love to get you, you know, on my project. She was like, okay, well, where is it? And I was like, well, <laughs> since you asked, there's a studio right in here. And so we went in there and, but I will say, recording Grace Jones, because I had to wrangle her in. It is like having the most beautiful panther in the studio that then turns into a tiger, that then turns into like a bird with the biggest wings that will flap yes. around and you just, you cannot contain that energy. Wow. You just have to have everything on record yeah. and get what you can. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you don't, you can't really tell her what to do. But even in the moments where I was like, okay, can you do more of this or do more of that? Or no, say it like this or talk French because she speaks French fluently. <laughs> and that's what we, and that was uh, the thing that that's stuck. That's what made it, yeah. I said, oh, that's the sexy shit that I want on this project because I don't think we've really gotten a chance to hear her in that way. And we've actually recorded more, like I have at least two hours of recording with Grace Jones. <laughs> Definitely. And you guys make an album out incredible. of that, please. I, oh my I God. really, I really, really want to. She's working on her album, which is going to also yep. be incredible. She played us her album. Like, I got to hear Grace Jones' album. Yep. We did. It's really beautiful. Wow. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, yes. man, you got, I mean, the fact that you went as far as <laughs> to pull Grace Jones in the studio yep. for your album, there's I nothing we to. can say, but thank you. Yes. There's nothing we could say but thank yeah. you. Yeah. And congratulations on, not just the Grammy, but congratulations for that. Thank but just you. what I've seen it do to people's spirits over yes. the last eight yes. months, you know. Yeah. Uh, That's all we want. It's incredible. Yeah. That's all we want. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask, uh, not to put you on the spot, Nate. Sure. I love We're Far Enough From Heaven. <gasps> oh, my oh, god. Oh, my God. I you love, are I, a Deep Cotton fan? I fucking love Deep Cotton. Oh, my God. And y'all pulled the EP. I don't know where the fuck the... I lost that, my copy of... I uh, love this. You are... I knew I liked you, but now I love you. That's my... I, I love this, Deep this Cotton. This is my shit. This song is... I feel like I'm, I don't even... I don't know how to explain my love of this it's song. It's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Far enough from heaven now we can freak out. So world on your zipper and it must be freak out. You can join it. You have excellent taste. I love that. Y'all got excellent so taste. That's Deep like, Cotton. Yeah. The, they, like, when I heard their song, actually, when Nate was saying, like, he met me yeah. performing on the library steps with a guitar, I was heavily just, like, on some acoustic, big Afro, I guess you would say neo-soul vibes. Yeah. And when I heard their music, it changed my whole life. It changed the way it. I saw us. I love it. Because I hadn't seen, I mean, with the exception of, like, Andre. Yeah. Cause Nars Barkley wasn't even around. Yeah. 
at that time. But right. with the exception of like the Love Below and what Andre was doing and, you know, some 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 indie artists in Atlanta, nobody was stretching and, and it sounding good. Like it was either too alternative for me to get to, you know, yeah. to, to get into. And there was no melody. There was no soul. But when I heard their stuff, I was like, it was up temp. There were, there were like up tempo records <laughs> that sounded like Japanese funk. I don't know. That's the best way to describe it. And all I knew is like, I want to make music like that. And so that I really have to credit Deep Cotton for why I like up-tempo songs and why I make up-tempo music and stretch <laughs> when it comes to genre. The textures are incredible. No one really, Funny. no one really plays a, like acoustic like that. Yeah. Like on a, yeah. like a up, no. like, it sounds like some Frank Black. Like it's yeah. like, yeah. it's like, whoa, it's like these weird, these weird bizarre yeah. like phrases. So funny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's and Chuck is an incredible writer. Yeah. Like him and Nate are like, yeah. their partnership. Out. We actually had, it's crazy. We actually are finishing our album right now. We actually, just got the album cover done for it and everything. It's so amazing. Yeah. yeah. They oh, coming out with an album. Shit, my dreams yeah. is coming true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot I've been waiting. believe. Yeah. Ten wow. years I've been waiting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that song because I love the line, who can cook, who can clean, who will paint the fence. Mm. I mean, there's so many other things about the song that are great, but also who can cook, who can clean, who will paint the paint fence. fence. Because it takes, like, this idea of, like, taking over the mansion and tell some stories in there and all that kind of stuff, which is a cool idea, right? But then, like, it's the responsibilities that you have to each other. Like, yeah. who's who can cook, who can clean, who will paint. The, like, who's doing the the real work that it takes to, like, stay alive so we can, you know, take over this mansion and tell some stories. I love it. Thanks so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. So appreciate that. Really Thank all you so much. Creativity Thank you so Likewise, much. Likewise, this is beautiful. Incredible. Thanks to Janelle Monet and Nate Wonder for the invite to Wonderland to chat about her latest album, The Age of Pleasure. You can hear it along with our other favorite songs of Janelle Monet's and Nate Wonder's on a playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brokenrecordpodcast where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced and edited by Leah Rose with marketing help from Eric Sandler and Jordan McMillan. Our engineer is Ben Tolliday. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like this show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now Mark says we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch is marketmessage2024.com. 
That's marketmessage2024.com. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.